Hello and welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee, joined by Billy Derrick and Luke White, who's dressed in black for the occasion. Uh, our podcast is part of the 440 Sports Network. Before we begin, Billy, uh, tell folks about Anchor Impact, which is our title sponsor. Yeah, Commodore Nation, you can get closer to Vanderbilt Athletics than ever before with Anchor Impact, the official NIL collective for Vanderbilt University. Gain access to unmatched exclusive coverage and be part of a -a one-of-a-kind community. As an Anchor Impact member, you can gain exclusive privileges and benefits that offer deeper engagement with student-athletes, coaches, staff, and the entire Vanderbilt community. Uh, You can access behind-the-scenes content, exclusive events, unique merchandise, personalized experiences, creating an unparalleled connection with the student-athlete's journey. You also become a catalyst for change, redefining the landscape of college athletics and showcasing the potential impact of NIL on student-athletes' lives. Help the Commodores thrive today and contribute now by logging on to their website. That's anchorimpact.com slash register. All right, our news is brought to you by the Wash House Basketball Season, also presented by the Wash House. Uh, you dreading laundry days. It's stealing time for the things that you truly enjoy. Let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, drop off your dirty laundry, and our professional attendants will give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, and that is your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh, clean laundry ready to be put away. Check them out at washhouseclean.com. Stop in today. Get your time back. Steve Andrews, wonderful human being, runs a great business, good friend of mine. Uh, thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Our news, Vanderbilt drops its second basketball game of the SEC season to LSU. We'll get into that in just a minute. Reminder of the show also brought to you by our friends at the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. They are a third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro, a partnership that began 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide Purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. They now serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, others with Purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, haagen ice cream. For more information, visit their website at MPMCI. Of course, my favorite the homemade purity vanilla, which you can either eat straight. You can do what my son does. You can mix a milkshake and put some chocolate syrup in there. I, you, you can't lose with purity ice cream. So uh, buy some, help out those who help the show. All right, guys, we, we had no pre-planned agenda for the show. I think the mailbag will dictate some of it. Um, look, I'm just going to start with you. What's What's on your mind? with Vanderbilt Athletics at the moment? Well, uh, from a 30,000 feet, things haven't changed much since we talked last. Um, we did speak about the most important part of football season being the offseason, and there has been some positives with the with the portal. I have uh, – I'm very disappointed about the London Humphreys thing, the way it went down. But, uh, you know, there's not a lot you can do about that. If you get outbid, you get outbid. And if a kid wants to play at a place that – can win a national championship. I certainly understand that and wish him the best. Uh, besides the London Humphreys, there's only a couple others that I wish the kids would have stayed. Maybe Savion Riley. Um, there's a couple others maybe. I don't, I don't recall all the names right now. But I feel like uh, there was three or four that came in that I feel good about uh, uh, that, that we that we added. I don't think it's near over. I think after spring ball, I don't know, Chris and Billy, when the window opens again, uh, but uh, we're still not set. We won't know anything until after spring practice. So from the, that's from the football standpoint. From basketball, uh, first of all, before we go any further, you have to take your hat off to a kid, Jordan Cambridge, and what the women's basketball team has done. Uh, I know people say, well, no one cares about women's basketball, but, hey, 15-1 and one is 15-1, and one, and yeah, my hat's off to those girls, and I wish them the best the rest of the year. Um, for the men go, uh, it's been uh, more of the same. Uh, you know, we can go back to the other four years of Coach Stackhouse. The non-conference schedule has been unacceptable, losing to Presbyterian and all that. And then now we turn into the regular season, and it's the same thing, the injuries, the uh, suspension with Dort, uh, the inconsistent shooting. Um, I, I, and I don't want to pick on one kid, but Evan Taylor has not panned out to be what he should be. 
uh, it's just a mishmash of uh, the island of misfit toys. And uh, I hate that for the kids, uh, especially Ezra Magnon, who is a consistent grinder who deserves the support of everybody. But uh, uh, I just don't see this one going. You know, last year I, I kept positive. But this year I'm having a hard time doing that. I don't see but three or four wins on the horizon. They're going to have to shoot, make 10 threes a night to have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, for basketball, for basketball, Luke, you said it. You know, same same thing. There's really nothing really new to talk about on the men's side. I, I think, I guess some fans were encouraged by the Memphis game, but you're not really in the business for saying, you know, good effort. You know, at, at that point, you know, you're, you were four and eight after that game. You're five and 10 now. Um, and, and I think, you know, even if they had won a couple of those non-conference games, yeah, the record might be different, but I still think the feeling, uh, Joe and I have talked about it, it just feels like there's a dark cloud over that program right now. Um, and it's it just, it doesn't feel like there's a ton of hope for for that that going away anytime soon. So obviously you covered it. What the women's team has done has been phenomenal. I mean, Shea Ralph ha- in, in year three, right? And that's kind of the comparison there. The, the men's side of things in year five, really struggling year three Shea Ralph has it rolling um and the crowd was was really good on Sunday against Florida uh better than they've had in in the past and it shows that growth and and Shea talked about that so hats off to them like you said Luke uh, football I want to get to that window Luke you're asking about uh April 16th through April 30th is the the spring window so you still got a few months uh away from that for for any guys to enter uh, for Vanderbilt to snag any guys for you know from that window, so uh, just want to get that out there. And yeah, on the football side of things, Luke, Nate Johnson is the story, and Tim Beck, I think, you know, bringing in really a different offense. Um, you know, obviously Tim Beck at New Mexico State won ten games. You know, with Diego Pavia, a guy that I don't know could really start at a Power Five school. So obviously that was encouraging. It, you know, it wasn't at a Power Five school. Um, but I, I think there's there's some potential there with Nate Johnson and, and Tim Beck. They got the, the backup for New Mexico State um, and and some some decent guys. I mean, Fontenet, I think sealing him, signing him was big. Uh, they really fought for Fontenet and, and getting him was huge. Obviously, you know, we talked about that recruiting class, Chris, with Dante Carter and, um, you know, a guy like Whit Edwards. So I think there are some young and Barton Simmons talked about this, some young leaders, right? Some some freshmen they are going to come in and 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 kind of make a statement, you know, and so I think they need that. And, and, you know, with the guys leaving, it'll be interesting. You mentioned London Humphreys, how good is, you know, how good can this receiver room be, you know, and how good do they need them to be? Because that, you know, that that's going to be a big question mark with Shepard McGowan and Humphreys gone. So yeah, we'll see Chris, but overall kind of believe it when you see it mode for football. I think most people are, you know, especially after last year, Uh, but you do have some players, especially offensively. Now, now it's just about, you know, working in the strength and conditioning, you know, program with the new program um, and some new people in the program. So, you know, we'll see what these changes uh, do for the program. I think we'll spend most of our time on the mailbag today. And Billy, I'll have you go ahead and and pull that up in a minute so we can get to it. But I do have sort of just some, some thoughts I wanted to piece together here Uh, on football. I just, I don't know what to make of of signing classes anymore. I mean, they're they're one year deals. I mean, they might even last you, one semester. So, um, like, like the one thing, like, I think they had a good class from everything I can tell. Um, but, but a, how much of that is other schools just looking to the portal? I mean, I think you're going to see schools with quarterbacks. You saw this with Vanderbilt. I wonder how much high school quarterbacks are going to be recruited going forward. I mean, Vanderbilt signed too, but, and, and, and maybe they are kids that can help them, especially the St. Hilaire kid. But, You've seen schools now just, hey, forget recruiting quarterbacks. We're going to go find them in the portal. Um, you know, and, and, and you've seen the, the, the best freshman Vanderbilt had last year just left. I think Vanderbilt threw a bunch of money at him. It, it just feels like it is – I feel badly for Clark. Now, my criticism is I don't think he adjusted quickly enough to the portal. I understood what he was trying to do. I think it was very idealistic view. Um, and, and I think they're being slow to react. Um, hurt them. But at the same time, I understood what he was trying to do. I mean, the, the guy did have a vision for what he wanted to do and how he wanted to carry it out. And, and now they're just seeing the fruits of their labor get get sniped away. So I, I don't know what to 
what to do about that. Um, basketball, Billy, I want to ask you a question because you were in the gym for both the men's and women's games last weekend. Not the women, but the, I was at the, was okay. at the men's game. Yeah. Okay. Joe, Joey was at both of them, right? Yes. Yes, he was. I, I vaguely remember we had a, a discussion, I think, during the Florida women's game of, of did Vanderbilt have more of its fans in the building for the men? Because I think overall attendance, there were more fans in the building for the women's game. But I think it was a pretty heavy Alabama presence, which, which yeah. is another thing. You're starting to see gyms taking over, not not to the not, not to the extent that it is for football, where you just go into an SEC game just expecting their fan base well, to be outnumbered. But yeah, and, and and what you're seeing too, Chris, is you know even last year, like that Auburn game. I take that for example. It was probably pretty close to a fifty fifty crowd. Um, yeah. Vanderbilt brought a lot of people. So did Auburn. On yeah. Saturday, Alabama brought a lot of people. Vanderbilt didn't bring as many people to kind of match that. Uh, now, yeah. volume wise, yeah, they, you know, they had some <laughs> some loud moments, but just looking around, you could tell that those empty spots are increasing. Uh, you know, where where the Vanderbilt fans should be, but on the Alabama side, it was pretty packed. So you're starting to see that kind of open up. And that'll make tickets probably more appealing for those those road trips, especially Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss. You know, this Saturday, you meet a lot of Rebel fans uh, in Nashville. Yeah. And so, yeah, on the women's side, Chris, I told Joey, and Luke, you might remember this, it reminded me of the NIT game against North Dakota State where it was GA, it was general admission uh, seating, and they moved everybody, basically everybody moved to the lower bowl, and the lower bowl was filled. It was standing room only in the lower bowl. Uh, yeah. But that's kind of what it felt. I wasn't there, but I did watch, and Joey told me about it. That's kind of what that atmosphere felt like. I don't know if you were there, Luke, but um, uh, my hope is to, to is to go check them out. And that, that's Luke, that's a good sign to see their crowds because I don't know the last time you could really compliment a crowd at a Vandy women's game, to be honest. Well, you're right. And, and you know, they did that yearly thing where it's one buck to get in. I mean, to me, just continue it for every SEC game except for Tennessee because they're going to – then they'll fill it up. But <laughs> do, do, do the $1 game for the next game. Now, next home game, I think, for the women is Auburn. Do it again. You'll get, instead of 4700 you might get 5500 So, I mean, what does it matter? Keep doing it dollar a game. I know you don't want to devalue your product, but if you can just keep getting people in there and you keep winning games, then they'll come back next year and buy a season ticket. Now, and as far as the men's crowd goes, guys, I've been in that gym since 1974. And obviously, there's been tons of changes over the years for different reasons. But it's, it is to the point now to where it's 50-50 when we play an SEC opponent, unless it's someone like Florida or Texas a and that's far away and they don't bring a lot. But now, it, I mean, it used to be when we played Alabama, there might be 200 Alabama fans sprinkled in the crowd. Now, the other day, there was probably 4,500. Uh, that's, that's so disheartening. And it is to the kids. You know, Tyron Lawrence even mentioned in his press conference complaining about, you know, it would be nice to have more of our fans here. The other thing is our fans probably – we probably had close to the same amount of fans, but the, first of all, there was no students. When there's no students mm -hmm. in that gym and you got the Geritol section and then you got the the other fans that still come, it's uh, – it's they're not enthusiastic. They're kind of like sitting on their hands waiting, okay, show us why we came, guys. You know, and then get behind 31-13, and everyone's like, well, this one's over. Now, Vanderbilt played well and got back in it and all that, but they, they don't have hope. They, when they walk in, they just hope to win. They don't expect to win like we used to. The crowd at Vanderbilt used to walk in there and say, well, we're going to win. If we have 17 home games, we're going to win 13 or 14 of them. Mm -hmm. Now, you're lucky if you go 500. And uh, it's just that the atmosphere is totally – the the expectations of our team is low. Uh, Coach Stackhouse does nothing to help with fan engagement. Uh, I think he does a good job getting the students in, involved, but it's just the atmosphere is just nothing where it used to be or should be. I don't even recognize what I'm looking at yeah. anymore. I, I went to – I mean, I, I let you guys cover most of the time. I've got stuff with my own kids, but I went to the um, – oh, the Dartmouth game. I was the only media person there. They wouldn't have had a press conference if I hadn't been there. 
There were probably, I'm going to tip off. My guess would have been, and I, I, I jumped out of the press box because you can't see everything from there. Like I'm going to, I'm going to kind of sit here in three, whatever that is um, on the sideline on, on the press box side. And, and just, I'm going to step out. I'm going to be there at tip off. I'm going to, I'm just kind of crane my neck and look down below me look in the balconies, all the stuff I can't see from the press box. I'm going to guess there were 1,500 fans at tip-off. It looked to me like later, as it filled in there, might have been 2,500 there. But, I mean, you used to used to go to games, and they'd play Nickel State or somebody, and there'd be snow forecast. It'd be 25 degrees, and you'd, you'd still get 5,000 people for a game like that. This was a, a weekend. Nothing was going on. No reason not to be there. Mid-afternoon Saturday. And nobody cared to be there. Media didn't care to be there. The Tennessean didn't care to be there. Because it probably wasn't worth its time to hire a freelancer, pay it 100 bucks for whatever it's going to get out of it. And I, I just, I can't believe what I'm watching. Look, guys, I grew up, Luke, you'll relate to this. We didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. And my, my dad spent what disposable income he had on season tickets at the time. And I would grow up hearing stories about the 60s and the 70s and the teams and how they were, you know, basically national power. I grew up going to games. They'd play Rice. They'd have 14,000 people in the gym. And I get that it's a different time. It's a different city. All the reasons you could give me. But I, I got a 10-year-old who's become kind of a pretty big college basketball fan. And he, he takes a lot of interest in Vanderbilt. That's that's his team. And he turns nine. I'm sorry, he turns 10 next month. They've not won an NCAA tournament game in, their, in his lifetime. Mm. They've been twice, I think. I think Kevin's last year, maybe three times. I guess they went 15. I can't remember if they went 15 or not. But they haven't won a game in there. They haven't been in the tournament since he was what? Just turned four. How how do you how do you build a fan base and get people interested? And I I don't Luke you, you tell me I I I come at it differently. When I'm there I'm in the press box, but I don't see or sense any urgency at all with winning or with winning back a fan base. I just don't see any evidence that it matters. Well, they're taking a holistic approach. No, <laughs> listen. I, I, here's All right, here. Coach Lee. They've <laughs> holistically killed everything. Here's the thing, guys. You know, first of all, and I go, I'll take it by decades because this has been the worst decade in Vanderbilt football, men's basketball in history, the combination of the two, in the history of my life, anyway. Uh, I think that. The winning, the, to, the price you have to pay to win now, because it's gotten difficult, more difficult to win with the NIL and the transfer portal and all that. It's a different, it's a different game for a Vanderbilt or for anybody really. And I don't think, I think you're right, Chris. Right now, the people that are in power, and I'm taking dear Meyer out of it right now, but the people that run the athletic department don't see the urgency. We're getting the checks. We still got the avid fan that's going to give the money to try to help us in the, you know, the collective and all that. As long as we have that, it doesn't matter that the gym's half full of the other team. Uh, and, and that's just a – they don't care. They don't care, Chris. And I hate that for the kids. I, I think – go ahead. I'm sorry. I've, I've got some thoughts I want to add here, but go well, ahead. One thing, I, and I, I've said this before on the show, but I mean it, and, and this is the one I always get back to. I've heard it preached by everyone that's ever been in charge over there. David Williams, Todd Turner, Paul Houlihan. Uh, Alexander Hurt, everybody that's ever been over there that says, we expect us to be the best at everything we do and we expect to win and compete for championships. And it's, we're going to have a great, great uh, experience for our athletes. Well, if you're not winning, it's not a great experience. Yeah. That's part of it is winning. And I don't mean winning championships every year. I'm just talking about winning. And everything about it says losing. This is a theory, and I, I can't out and out prove it, but you'll you'll have some good insight. I, I think that, and I think that the start of, I think twenty twenty told us a lot about the direction the university would 
was going to go. Um, and it started with the the media relations thing that caught everybody over there flat-footed. I mean, nobody knew that was coming. And it was a part of aligning messaging with the university. And I've heard this complaint for years. I, I talked to a guy, and I've told the story. Uh, it's an alum. He said, I've probably given a million dollars to the school in my lifetime. They, they don't even, I'm not even on their radar. And it's because you have, someone said to me, you probably got 30 mega donors that they can just count on to donate to whatever. And I'm, I'm sure that's probably a lot of where Vandy United is coming from. And I, I think, I think because of that, why, why bother with the guy that, that spends 1500 bucks to get his family tickets. And it's, it's something that means something to them. It used to be, you know, a few years ago where like they, they couldn't get a pot to pee in. Under David Williams, it was very budget conscious. That explained a lot of the scheduling. Now I think it's almost opposite. It's like they can go to certain people. And I think there's a lot of political alignment between those top donors uh, and, and the school and its mission statement. And, and I think everything is sort of in that uh, tunnel vision. I, I think that's how they look at it. And, and so I don't I don't think that, okay, what why why do we care? to get the ticket office involved about, you know, getting the, the seats filled for baseball, you know, to, in, in the front rows. Like we talked about that for you. I bet I'll guarantee that'll be a problem. Why, why do we care if there's, you know, 8,000 people Memorial and, and 4,000 of them are Alabama fans. Why, why do we care if it's eight or if it's 12, because we'll just go to, Joe mega donor and, and, and in one conversation, get a check written for an amount that dwarfs all the problem. I think that's part of it, Luke. I think they, I think so many people, they got so many people at the administrative level that they can go to, to, to get checks written for this or that, that, that your thousand dollars and, and whatever shows up in the gym doesn't matter here or there to anybody over there. Let me say one more thing, and I know this to be a fact because I was working there when this happened, and I'm, it still goes on because I know where people sit. It used to be that the ticket office would monitor, like every every employee would get two to four season tickets, and you're supposed to use them for your immediate family, and if you can't use them, give them back to the ticket office because they so they can resell them to a Vanderbilt fan. They would sell them to their friends that were fans of other teams. Now, to me, that's a fireable offense. I'm sorry. Maybe that's too harsh for some people. But do you think if, if you're at Alabama and you give your tickets to an Auburn fan to set and cheer against Alabama in their gym, you would last very long in that athletic department? But that's the way Vanderbilt is. Oh, we're just glad to be here. Oh, you want to come and cheer for Kentucky? Go ahead. Here, here's my tickets. You know, that's the other mentality. You can't have that. You have to t tell your employees, if you use those, if you give those tickets to a Kentucky fan, then your butt, first of all, you lose your season ticket privilege. And if we caught you doing it again, you're fired. That's it's silly. They don't care who's in that gym. They don't care. We've got, you know, it's state of the union time coming up for the government usually it's delivered January. I think this year it's the, the president's address is going to be in March, but we, we've kind of got a state of the union of our own that we cover. It's going to be the four year anniversary on February 4th of Malcolm Turner's firing slash resignation. I've, I've, I've done some, because really the only thing that should matter is the scoreboard. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through that. We're, we're kind of the point we're having to ration content. Uh, people said, "Why do you guys not do as many podcasts anymore?" Like, well, we're just we're just talking about the same thing every week. Yeah, like, like how many different ways can you talk about losing? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, and, and Billy, you, you we've had this private. I'm I'm just it gets to the point. And it's kind of just depressing. I, I wish we had. Yeah. And thank God, baseball's here in five weeks. Because mm. my goodness, I'm already diving in with both feet on that, and we're going to get a lot of baseball content here, whether you like it or not. Because I need something else to talk about, um, <laughs> but I mean that—that's just kind of where we are. I, I, I mean, I, I joke about it, 
because that's all I've got left. It's just, Luke, it's been depressing. Um, well, I, 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 I know I'm a big critic of the school. I'm, I'm not doing it to to burn everybody down. I, I want to see them do better. I mean, so, somebody put it to me this way. Um, when, when they fell a couple of spots in the U.S. News and World Report's rankings, I mean, it was sending out emails to alums and press releases, and we dropped this because uh, the methodology, I mean, it was like a five-alarm fire over there. And, and that's something they couldn't really control. They they lose basketball and football games. And, it, I mean, you can talk all you want about athletics being on equal footing. Last year, Vanderbilt went and got beat, what, with 101-44 at, Van, at, at Alabama. And instead of a five-alarm fire being set off the way it was with those press releases with the, the rain, what, what do we get the next day? We got an endorsement, like the job he's doing. I, I don't see any panic. Billy, you and I are in press conferences with that the was- administrators in that room. I, I don't see panic. I don't see – I mean, you, you walk in the room, you can't tell if they've won by 20 or lost by 30. Um, yeah. I, I just – I don't – you, you can talk until you're blue in the face about alignment between athletics and the school and everything. But until I see a similar reaction to just losing one game after and, and look guys, what's, what's up been, what's been our highlight in, in men's basketball and football this year? I mean, since this academic year, I'm not, I'm not counting. Like, is, was it the, was it the win over UNC Asheville in basketball? Greensburg, Greensburg. I get all those. Or was it was it the win over Hawaii in football? I mean that that's what we're left with. Yeah, Chris. I, I don't even know. I mean, it's it's hard to talk positively. You know that that's my biggest thing. Like it, it's you know with football and basketball. You know, take baseball out. It's it's hard. I mean, I I I, I bring up something positively. You know, like the Nate Johnson thing. I think Nate Johnson can be a really good player at Vanderbilt and, and Tim Beck, but it's it's still hard because of last season and, and, and that, that cloud of the program, especially basketball. Um, and, and until something changes, that's, that's the way it's going to be. Um, and, and, and it's, it's really, I mean, I've never seen it in my lifetime, you know, that it, both programs this bad, I think both of y'all would agree as well. And that, that's saying something that kind of almost, I guess you'd say three separate generations, you know, I mean, you've never seen it like this um and and so yeah and chris you talked about you brought up your your son taking a liking to vanderbilt basketball and you know i got little brothers that that love watching the games too but you know and i grew up looking forward to if i got a chance to go to memorial i was fired up man you know i mean that that was a it was a hot ticket and you know now it's like okay let you know let's let's go but but you know we hope they win like you said luke there's just there's no pull anymore um and, and that's a problem. So we'll see if they resolve it. Uh, but we'll, for now, we'll, we'll keep, keep talking the same way. But we do have uh, the mailbag if you want to hop into that, Chris. Yeah. While, while you're preparing that, um, a reminder our mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615 846 6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Um, also presented by John Levin and the Maynard Nexus Government Contracts Group. Maynard Nexus advises government contractors on all aspects, excuse me, all aspects of their needs with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Uh, thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart to, to both of you for sponsoring that. Really, really appreciate it uh, at a time where it's just Hard to sell things when the winds aren't coming, uh, and we appreciate the people that have, that have stuck by us. All right, Billy, start us off in the mailbag, and um, let, let's have at it. All right, we'll start with baseball bros. He says, when do y'all think Vanderbilt basketball will actually get an SEC win? Um, and I'll kind of run through. I'll, let's do this. I'll run through kind of their next 10 games or so, and y'all give me kind of a yes or no. All right, at Ole Miss this Saturday. No. No. Against Auburn uh, next no. Wednesday uh, here no. in Nashville. No. Uh, at Mississippi State next Saturday. No. no. Against Tennessee uh, in Nashville Saturday. No. No. At Auburn. 
No. January 31st. Against Missouri at home. Maybe. There you go. So is that the is, is that the first? Missouri doesn't seem to be as good as they were last year. Let, let me throw a caveat. If we hit, if we have one of those games where we shoot 60% or something, we can beat any of those teams you mentioned. But if playing at the level we're playing at, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, you. Missouri is the easy answer, but I, they did play better against Kentucky last night. They're finding a little scoring from Tamar Bates. Um, I mean, it, I, I think at that point it just depends on what team they want to roll out there. Is it one that's interested in winning or one that's beaten down by right by by this? I mean, I, I, I see a team that's gotten better. I mean, it hasn't mattered for anything, but. Um, you know, did play well against Alabama, did play well against Memphis. Those are teams that if you pick the tournament today would be would be in the field. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, I talked to Joey and it, again, I felt weird saying this, but the Alabama game I thought was encouraging uh, for for whatever that's worth. I mean, even, Memphis, too. I, I thought they played pretty well. Uh, just this team playing well, even when Alabama didn't play very well, still wasn't enough. <laughs> and, and you saw that last night, too. Right. LSU, I don't think played particularly great. Um, you know, they still won by eight. And and LSU was a game that I thought Vanderbilt, okay, that that could be one of their SEC wins. And it's it's getting harder to to kind of project those wins uh with you know with this team right now. Uh, let me say something real quick. Just to show you that this say the Alabama, okay. Lifetime, we're 71 and 77 against Alabama. I can remember Alabama not beating us for a decade in Memorial Gym. Twenty five years now. Hope they win, not anymore. They come in with half the crowd. They literally did not win a memorial, I think, for 25 years, Luke. Yeah. Late I mean, 80s to whenever it got snapped a couple years back. The only games that were ever in doubt in Memorial Gym during the conference play when we had 14,316 in there was Kentucky or Tennessee. Those were the only competitive. We'd always win the other ones. We, we nine out of ten times we win. We were going to go to seven and two or six and three in conference. Hey, I, I remember going to games where they'd bring in Robert Ory and Antonio McDias and Latrell yep. Sprewell, and, and they would they good teams, yep. and, and they would get whipped. Yep, because we'd hit twenty one out of twenty three at the foul line, and we'd shoot forty eight percent and hit about fifteen threes. Yeah. Uh, second part of that question uh, from Baseball Bros, what happened with all this NIL money as the class on paper from the portal seems a bit lackluster based on what we were hearing about available NIL funds? <clears throat> Chris, I don't know what you'll say, and Chris, I don't know, or Luke, I don't know if you have anything, but I'll say that, and Chris, I think you've mentioned this, this might really come to fruit next year. Like we might see... Like year two after this kind of wave of of funds, which you know we we know happened, you may not necessarily see it in this first cycle. I mean, we may we haven't the season hasn't played out yet, so I don't really know that you can really you know quite be too nitpicky about uh, this portal class because they haven't been on the field yet. I mean, you know, you can say all you want yeah. about this portal class, yeah, rankings wise, they they're not great, but you know, I, it might be too early for that. Again, they they. I, it probably wasn't a big fish in there. I mean, Nate Johnson, it, you know, I guess could be your big fish. You got Fontenette from TCU. Um, but, yeah, there, there, there's not really a, a huge splash in there where you go, wow, you know, Vanny got this kid. Um, I don't know what y'all two think, but for me, um, I think year two, like next year is when you might really see more of a jump because they're trying. You're, you're selling after a 2-10 and ten season. I think that sort of got in the way a little bit as well. Well, yeah. Tongue, go ahead, Luke. I'm sorry, Chris. Tongue no, no, I want to hear yours first. Yeah. Tongue in cheek, the most important portal guy is Tim Beck. Uh, <laughs> he's not portal, but you know what I'm saying. To me, changing the offense, the philosophy, uh, getting some guys, hopefully, out of those uh, 11 transfers that are locker room guys, because I think that ha was a problem, even though I don't think Clark thought so. I disagree with Clark. I thought his locker room was a problem. Mm -hmm. And I thought, as time went on, you had some cancers in there that were absolutely bringing people down around them. And I think it proved that with some of the guys that left. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think more importantly is having a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator in Clark Lee. Those are the two biggest things. The players will be the players. Yeah, the, the locker room was absolutely a problem last year. Um, 
the, I, I don't, this is more just talking out loud than, than telling you this definitively, but l- let's just say that, that all three of us, and, and I hate to be degrading, but this is a, a good analogy to, to put it, I think on level playing field towards what these kids are doing. Let, let's say we all, all got offered a job and somebody said, Billy, Luke, Chris, we're going to pay each $200,000 to come work for us. And somebody else said, we're going to pay $200,000 to come work for us. And uh, one of those was, you know, you, you worked in the, the nicest office building you've ever seen. Um, you know, the the company's a blue chip stock on the New York Stock Exchange. The other one is a is kind of a startup where you're working in one of those temporary trailers. Um, money's the same. Who are you going to pick? I, I think that's kind of where they are with football. Um for lack of a better way to put it, I, I think that does money matter? Is money a way to get them competitive? Yes. I think it's going to take a while. I think it's going to take a couple years of people knowing, hey, Vanderbilt's going to be a player in NIL. Um, the, the other thing, I was eating um, lunch somebody with the other day with somebody that's really dialed into baseball. And, and I should have pressed in on this more than I should have, but this person just said, and this person would know, he said, we're still three years behind on NIL and baseball. Look, this baseball roster that's fully funded. Um, everybody used to have the jokes about full scholarships. They truly have those now. Uh, but I, I don't know if it's just what it is, but this person's perception is that, you know, getting a late start is it, still affecting the state of things on, on baseball. I mean, certainly it hurt them last year with Paul Skeens. Um, Paul Skeens would have been theirs, I think, if they had – been willing to make a matching bid of what I was told was a quarter of a million dollars. And boy, would that have been worth it, but they mm-hmm. didn't. Um, so I, I don't know entirely what that means. I, I can follow up there and, and I, I probably will. But I mean, if that's the case for baseball and it's the biggest brand probably in college baseball and probably the most successful program over the last decade, you, you can only imagine the implications for football. Exactly. Uh, okay. Hogan Nose asks, how long before they fire Jerry Stackhouse? Um, again, I, I think I think they're going to do it after the season. Um, I thought there was a slight chance um, that that they could do it midseason. Don't think that anymore. I mean, I think there's going to be there's going to be some flash points here. You know, I think you're going to see probably some 30, 40 point losses. Do those sort of pile up and, and you know. And, and cause something I don't know, but I, I I still think it's it's after the season. Not sure if y'all y'all have changed your thinking on that. No, I I, I agree with you, Billy. Uh, it would have to be something really catastrophic for him to fire him during the season. Uh, I I do think he's gone at the end of the season if things go the way we all think they're going to go. Yeah, he's it's over with after this year. I'm just not sure I agree. Um, and, and a lot of it is who's pulling the strings. Everything I, I can only tell you there's two things that you got to do. And Luke, you're, you, you might be the, the good in between on look at some point, you know, if, if this thing totally falls apart, if they go oh for whatever, there, there's a point to where, yeah, maybe it's bad enough. They have to make a change. And, and that's where we are. Everything has to go to, Feels like everything has to go to DEFCON, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me just, Billy, here's, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and look, this year, approximately 4,800 season tickets, or fi- no, 5,200 season tickets. Do you think if we go 10 and 21 or 9 and 22, get put out on Wednesday night in the SEC tournament, how in the heck are you going to sell any season tickets to individuals? You're still going to sell your corporate seats. I don't care if we don't win a game. And that may be 3,000 of the tickets. But at some point, <laughs> you have to – yeah. I mean, it's just like when Bryce lost all 18 games, they had to fire him. They didn't want to fire Bryce Drew, but they did when he went 0-18. Do I think this team will go 0-18? No. Now, there's going to be a breaking point with this squad, and I'll tell you why. Yes. Ezra is a senior. you got Tyron in his situation. He's already got his money. And I don't mean this negative toward Tyron, but after you take so many close losses, those hurt a lot worse than losing by 20. Mm-hmm. And you've given max effort. 
and you're playing to the buzzer, but you're still getting your butt beat because you can't hit the broad side of the bar with a bass fiddle, then then they're gonna then they're gonna probably that they'll lose the locker room, and then you can possibly get rid of or say, okay, Jerry, that's it. Coach these last five games, and you're you're done. Make, well, make, and it, I I don't think it's out of the equation. Something is caused by Jerry, um, whether it's a a public tirade technical where, which, I mean, he's good for a few of those that kind of paints the program in, in, in a bad light. I mean that, you know, we, we've seen that happen. Um, whether it's an altercation, I don't know, with a ref, a coach, a player, who knows? Um, I'm sure they would try their best not to get, let that, let that loose publicly, but we've seen that you don't really know what Stackhouse is going to say even after games and, and, you know, during a lot of those availabilities. So I wouldn't count that out. So Stackhouse, um, maybe doing it himself. Um, but yeah, I think player wise, you could see that. Other quick thing, Be quiet. something to say here. <laughs> Last night, did you listen to his post game show? I did not. Two things he brought up. It was a poorly officiated game. LSU set tons of illegal screens. Didn't get called for any of them. Doug Shouse told him, uh, I, was, I want to let the kids play. Stackhouse got a technical last night. Mm-hmm. It's already starting to snowball with him. His frustration level is already here. And I understand it. I mean, I watched it. He's right. But that's what happens on the road in the SEC in most places. You, the other team shoots more free throws. Happens every, like we shot more free throws in Alabama or close to it the other day to the end of the game probably. But, you know, that's just what happens on the road in the SEC. But I don't think he has done himself any favor with the officials in the SEC either. No. Okay, gentlemen, last year he lost his mind at VCU, got two technicals, had to be escorted out of the gym. Nothing happened. Insulted the fan base through that art that the 5.8% comment in the athletic, which was just a dumb move. I don't care what you think. You're not going to win any friends that way. Nothing happened. Um, it's been teed up a few times this year. Nothing's happened. Attendance has fallen to nothing. Nothing's happened. Um, and I'm going to go back a little bit again, Luke, this is where, and look, sometimes Vanderbilt is not always, is not always crystal clear. Uh, it is a weird place. Um, and and I'm about to present to you evidence that, that got contradicted. Um, and and so I, I think the cut to the chase, I think it leads to who wins the power struggle and who's making the call, but let's go back to 2016, 17. And I think this is the time where, you go back, go back and read the press releases on the hire, on the committee, everything. And you heard the same stuff, I'm sure, coming out of the search that they were not looking for a basketball coach. Okay. So they, they hire Stephanie White, 14 and 16, 4 and 12. Um, 7 and 24, worst record ever in the regular season, 3 and 13, followed by 7 and 23. And then I think the worst record, the conference record in the history of the program, two and fourteen. Um, so you had the worst record in the regular season in year two, the worst conference record they'd ever had in year three. Nobody blinked. Year four, 14 and 16, 4 and 12. Um, year five, four and four, 0 oh and three in the league, but worse than that, morale was so bad. The team quit in January and didn't finish the season. Only team in the league that did that. By the way, the football team also didn't finish the season 2020. And again, meantime, what's going on? It is messaging. It is imaging. It is alignment with the university. Re- results were not mattering. Now, look, what I understand happened was that I, I think it was still Adam Sparks at that point. Went to the school for a comment, went to Kansas. Is Stephanie being retained? Yes, she is. Um, from what I have been told happened, Chancellor picks up the paper, says, wait a minute. Um, you, you need to consult me on these things. And then a couple months later, after the season was gone, they they pulled the plug and made a change. And, and to Vanderbilt's credit, the, the Shea Ralph hire seems to be working out well. But, but the point I'm getting to, we're sitting there exciting all these things that could set off a change. 
all these alarm bells that would set off a change anywhere else. Let's look at what's in front of us. The plug did not get pulled on that one until the chancellor intervened. So question number one is who's pulling the strings? And if the chancellor's pulling the strings, how much intestinal fortitude does he have to fight a culture that otherwise does not care? Because I promise you the way they're looking at Jerry Stackhouse today is this guy represents us and what we want to be. And and they're looking at him as the as the last year's SEC coach of the year and not all this other stuff that we've talked about. So Luke, I'll I'll give you rebuttal on that one. I mean, I think I think you're close, but I do think there's a time, Chris, when common sense does come into play. And I know there's very little common sense over there because I worked in the environment for 40 years. Um, I didn't have the other sense that they had. So far, the book learning, but I did have <laughs> I did have common sense. And I do think there's enough people that have common sense that if this goes as poorly as it looks to be going, that they'll still get rid of him. It's going to be interesting. Um, we got Chris. How much time we got left? Luke, do you have a heart out right now? I need to go. Yeah, I really do. Okay. Hey, thanks for joining us. Billy and I will finish up. Have okay. a great. We'll catch you next week. See you, Luke. See y'all. Okay, uh, Chris. We got uh, we got a couple of good ones here. Don't want to go too much longer. Um, Vu Wars asks, what do you what do you guys make of the recent football staff departures and new hires? Um, especially with New Mexico State folks, is it convenience or familiarity with Beck or other? Um, <clears throat> in terms of the the departures, I, I did see where Dan Jackson is no longer on staff. Um, Nick Howell is is over at New Mexico. I did see Dan Jackson landed at Idaho. Um, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look into these too much, Chris. Uh, I think coaching was one of their biggest issues last year. Yeah. And as Luke said, you know, you have a new offensive coordinator. You have a new DC. Um, how much does that impact the, their performance next year? I don't know. But at the very least, you've got that coaching change and 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 decisions kind of figured out. At least you think so. Um, and and you've you've made those changes. So, you know, for what it's worth, Clark being the DC, I think, you know, is 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 interesting. We saw Derek Mason do that, of course, after after one of his early years. Um, and, and having a new OC, I think, is very important. Um, so, again, I don't know if you've had a chance to look into those too much, but, um, you know, what, what do you make of those, those changes? Well, look, I, I think we both heard enough to know that both the offensive and defensive rooms were a mess. Fr- frankly, I would have moved on from Nick Howell a long time before Clark did, but but I'm, I'm not in charge over there. I, I never thought that was a great hire. Uh, there, there was never anything that, that – Nick Howell demonstrated that suggested it was a good hire, even maybe for a game. Um, Vanderbilt has done this for a long time. They tend to, when they get rid of people, just sort of kind of do it quietly in the background and, and let people land other places. I don't know if that's a human decency thing. I don't know if that's a, a save us money thing because it's easier to get a job when you have one. Um, and, and, and part of me appreciates that about Vanderbilt in, in a – in a dog-eat-dog world where results are a big thing, and I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, um, these are people with families and, and yeah. livelihoods. And, and and so, you know, I, I, I guess to the point that it doesn't affect what you're trying to do, I respect that about Vanderbilt. But th- th- there were changes when you had to be made. Um, the, the Dan Jackson thing, I'm, I'm guessing there was still some stuff brewing from the – from the 2022 stuff in the background. I don't, I don't know if that's fact or not. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Billy, you and I both heard midseason. Hey, th- th- things are going to get changed here. That They have figured out they need to go to a more mobile quarterback approach to, to win. None of the guys on the roster really fit that. I think mm-hmm. all those guys in that room knew that when they took off. Um and and, and what and did they Chris, do? They went out. They went out and hired an offensive coordinator who, who oversaw an offense with a quarterback who could really move. Yeah, and it's going to be different. That's the most important thing. You know, you're not good. You're not getting the same look offensively next year. Um, and again, does that does that change how many wins they had? I mean, it, it better. 
but does it get to them, get them to a bowl game? Who knows? But at the end of the day, you're doing something different, and they made they made the change. They did have that wherewithal. And, I, and again, I've, I've told you and Luke this: going two and ten might have been the best thing possible uh, for this program, as bad as it was, and you know, for everybody to cover it, you know, players, coaches, it might have been the best thing uh, for this program. Uh, Chris, another football one here. I d- did see where Jacob Borchilla no longer on the roster. Uh, and I did see where he was a walk-on, um, you know, di- didn't perform great, but wasn't bad either. I mean, you know, decent. Uh, I got a question from NBA door. Is Brock Taylor really a better option than, uh, than Borchilla? And I think it's an interesting question. You know, Chris, we saw him at fall camp. Who knows? Uh, Brock has a strong leg, you know, he's young. So obviously experience, accuracy, things like that, you know, he'll have to figure out again. I don't know if there's any way to know, but it is Brock Taylor's, team in terms of kicking now i mean I, I i would guess and i don't think they bring in a transfer guy it was weird maybe i just wasn't paying as much attention i felt like they kicked less in fall camp than i'd seen in in a few years you should just they always had the kickers and the punters over on that grass field working out i didn't really have a lot of takeaways usually you can watch and get a pretty good idea i i don't have a very broad recollection of what Brock Taylor did or didn't do. Do you? No, I mean, I, at the very end of practices, they would do these competitions, um, you know, indoor specifically, cause they do have those, you know, those, those fake goalposts in there. Um, they weren't, no, neither of them really, I mean, neither of them were great, but at the end of the day, Brock Taylor w- was, I guess you could say highly recruited for a kicker, uh, and has a good leg, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's not, it's not anything I look at and I go, okay, the, the kicker position will be drastically different. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really think that, but it is interesting. Botrilla no longer on the roster. I, I, I would have liked to maybe learn about that, that conversation that was had with Borchilla. Um, so we'll see. Let's see here. Let's Chris, let's find one more good one. Um, okay, Chris, here's a good one. I know it's a lot of football here, uh, but from NBA door, and talking about Tim Beck's offense, is Tim Beck's offense a gimmick offense or is it just an RPO with a run lean? Um, I still want to watch a little bit more film on New Mexico State. I don't know how much of them you watch, Chris. Uh, I, I watch a little bit of that Auburn game um, where they walloped them 31-10. And, and mm-hmm. you know, Pavia all season, Chris, was really one of the more underrated guys, I think, around the country that nobody was really talking about. Um, and he was, you know, 5'9". You know, 180, 190, not not a big guy at all. Um, but yeah, they got creative. That that's what I that kind of stood out to me. I saw some trick plays, especially in the red zone, where they had to. You know, and similar to Vanderbilt, you know they they have they don't have the resources and the guys you know that that you need you know in in the Power Five level. So they they had to get creative. I just look at that, Chris. I'm going to look into it more, but I don't know if anything had, had stood out to you about what Tim Beck did at at New Mexico State. To, to me, the label's not important, and I didn't watch them enough to really have an opinion. Here's what matters. Do you have an approach that can work? Uh, and, and let's remember how they won those two games a couple years. Did I think Mike Wright was the best quarterback on the roster? No, I didn't. Um, I, I would watch him in fall camp in 2022, and, and sometimes he'd have trouble completing you know, 10-yard slants against air. Um, mm-hmm. That's not really a place you want to be with your quarterback. But – Games are divided into sequences, right? Um, you might be awful for for two-thirds of a game offensively, but if you can string together some drives and convert a third and eight when, when the play breaks down and you can scramble out and get 11 yards, you can string a few of those together, you can hit a big play downfield, you can score just enough points sometimes to win games, and they did that. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Uh, that that's that's how it happened with, with Mike, and I think maybe they felt, hey, there was something in that. Let's go back to number one. That, number two, when you're running the ball more, it shortens the game. It makes for fewer plays, um, yeah. which I think is going to play in their favor two ways. Because um, if if you get in a game with, let's just say you're playing Alabama, just for argument's sake, let's say you got in a game where each team had twenty plays. That would never happen. But is there like a one in a hundred chance Vanderbilt could win that game? Yeah. Because in a small sample size, you know what's going to happen. 
Now you right. play Alabama in a play where everybody gets 100 snaps. 100 times out of 100, Alabama's going to win that game unless it turns over the ball 10 times. Uh, po- point being is that's the direction you probably need to – I know that tempo and those things, um, if you can do that right and, and keep a team well-equipped to, to win games that way, then, then that's great. It's fun. It draws fans. That They're not there. So I think if you could yeah. if you can pull a game where you can draw from experience, you won a couple like that a couple years ago. You can shorten the number of plays. To, to me, that's it. Seems like the odds are more in your favor that way, and and that's what they've done. Yeah, that that feels like you know they've kind of gone back to that formula, and um, you know got them got them five wins, Chris. I mean, they dominated Hawaii. You know, got a couple of SEC wins, and this Nate Johnson guy. They think throws better uh, than, than Mike Wright, and I, I mean, just watching him, I, I would I would assume he does as well. Um, so that'll be interesting too. He's going to have to make those throws, but I don't know that you know they're not going to be like they were this year. This year, I feel like they tried to really air it out at times. I mean, they wanted to establish a run, but he couldn't run the ball. That's the bottom line. You got to be able to run the football either. Yeah, couldn't protect. Got to be able to run the football. Um, and and so yeah, Chris, I'm interested for spring ball. I, you know. I, with baseball, it'll be what we'll we'll be able to split up those responsibilities just to see Nate throw, you know, and and, and you know to kind of get an eval on some of those new receivers as well. But yeah, we'll see. We'll that we'll stop there with those uh, <clears throat> those mailbags, Chris. Parting thoughts, Billy. Parting thoughts. I uh, got Ole Miss Saturday for basketball. Ole Miss is is pretty good. I mean, I think they got humbled by Tennessee last week. Uh, we'll see Chris Beard. Has he played in Memorial? That's a good question. Uh, Texas Tech, I don't, I don't think, think so. I think that could be interesting. You know, Beard and his staff, I'm sure he knows enough, you know, coaches around the league to kind of, you know, call on. I'm sure he's doing that probably right now saying, hey, you know, what, what's it like playing in Memorial? But that, that could be maybe an X factor. They're coming off that. Uh, that is that, loss is that at least game last here week. or is that in, in Oxford? Oh, Chris, you're right. That is in Oxford. Yeah. My bad. So that okay. doesn't apply. Never mind. I, I've got their schedule all out of whack. Um, I don't know that it really matters, but <laughs> um, anyway, Chris, yeah, basketball, same stuff. I mean, you know, Joey and I talked about the same stuff last night in our rapid reaction. Uh, women's games should be fun, so f- I encourage people if you if you want to go watch a you know a fun, entertaining, winning product, go see that you know that that women's team play and uh, baseball. I think under forty days away. Looking for really looking forward to that actually. And then uh, football, looking forward to uh, to spring ball. But, yeah, Chris, it's an interesting time. Not a ton going on, especially with the way the basketball teams performing. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, especially in spring ball with, with football and then getting into baseball. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to baseball. I know people are really excited about the women's team. I don't, I don't have a lot of bandwidth for that uh, just with my life here other than just to kind of monitor scores and, and maybe check in on the mm-hmm. game thread. But Shea Ralph's doing a good job. I guess that's the the bright shining light in the other misery. I, I do think NIL is is potentially a path forward to them. I'm I'm still a little and part of this is just holiday break, just trying to set aside some yeah. time and give people some distance to do the same. I'm I'm a little I thought they would have had a little more traction there. Um behind the scenes what i hear continues to be kind of positive but there's there's a little bit of a a disconnect between um i, I think funds and results but there's also as you pointed out another window in in the spring so don't we'll really see. know your roster till then <laughs> no no God, you don't what a what a time it's it's crazy chris and like luke said vanderbilt might be behind um you know but I think we talked about it before. There's probably a lot of other uh, academic institutions struggling with some similar things. So, uh, yeah. Vanderbilt, I think you know, I got to try to get ahead of that. All right, we we done. We're done. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors. Uh, we'll be back with the roundtable edition next Wednesday. Um, you and Joey. In the meantime, we'll we'll talk about whatever you have to talk about until. <laughs> Until until Santa leaves the room. So 
Just yeah, we, we still um, need we still we still need your opinion on that Dartmouth game, Chris. We we never oh. we never got you on the pod. Oh darn! Where was the where was the rapid reaction there? We were looking for it. Uh the the rapid reaction was I needed dinner that night, so that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was laughing so hard. Uh, there was some interesting and fun texts sent back and forth that day. <laughs> there was threats, threats may or may not have been made. <laughs> Stay tuned. oh man well uh th- thank you thank you to everybody for listening um hopefully we've got something more interesting to talk about soon but uh we'll, we'll be here regardless so uh again thank you to everybody for listening thank you to billy and luke and uh, we'll see you again soon on the mandy sports podcast